Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, today's weather will set the stage for the bigger punch tomorrow, but will it be as significant as originally predicted? We'll look at the makings of a monster storm. Also this morning, even though officials are strongly advising against unnecessary travel over the next several days, ODOT crews will be out there to ensure the roads are as safe as possible. And are you prepared for this winter storm? Unfortunately, it's not until we're in the middle of it that many people will discover they aren't. We'll tell you what you need to know before the worst of it gets here. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. In addition to Groundhog Day today, it is Kendalmas, which is a Christian holiday celebrating the early life of Jesus. In particular, it celebrates Jesus' presentation at the temple 40 days after the celebration of Christ's birth, because religious law at the time said women were purified 40 days after giving birth to male children meaning that the Virgin Mary would be purified on February 2nd and could enter the temple on that day. Uh, the uh, story of Jesus' presentation is recorded in the book of Luke. So today, Kendalmas. And apparently there is some correlation between Kendalmas and Groundhog Day. Somehow, somehow, and I don't know uh, the full story of how it was over the annals of time that Kendalmas morphed into Groundhog Day, but apparently there is a connection there. It is also California Kiwi Fruit Day, Crepe Day, Heavenly Hash Day, Self-Renewal Day, and World Ukulele Day today. So, reasons to celebrate today. The rest of the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, aside from Groundhog Day, will will he or won't he see his shadow? And of course, the winter storm that uh, is at the top of everybody's mind. Some of the other most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Bloomberg reported yesterday that SeaWorld Entertainment has made an unsolicited $3.4 billion bid to purchase the parent company of Cedar Point. Cedar Fair said in a statement the company is doing its due diligence in considering the buyout offer. For SeaWorld, the move would allow the company to further distance itself from the aquatic animal entertainment that the company is famous for, but that has made it the target of frequent animal rights protests. Officials in the city of Sandusky, who were already concerned that Cedar Fair might be looking to relocate the company's headquarters elsewhere, say that they are monitoring negotiations closely. Because they admit that if SeaWorld were to buy the company, they're not going to locate the company headquarters in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, Not going to happen. So they're uh, paying very close attention. Although, of course, the park isn't going anywhere. Cedar uh, Cedar Point would still be there. Uh, Stock in both companies rose sharply on the news yesterday, but industry insiders uh, called the $3.4 billion bid a lowball offer while noting that the company's portfolio of parks may attract other bids. In fact, a couple of years ago, 
You may remember Cedar Fair rejected a $4 billion acquisition offer from Six Flags. So, watch that very closely. I got to wonder whether $3.4 billion, that's, that won't be the final offer. There's, there will be a negotiation here. But why would you take a $3.4 billion offer today when you rejected a $4 billion offer a couple of years ago? And by the way, uh, the company said profits this past year were up over 2019. So kind of interesting. We'll watch that story. Elsewhere, President Biden may give his State of the Union address before a very limited in-person audience once again this year instead of the normal packed joint session of Congress. And yes, it's because of the ongoing pandemic and the Omicron surge. Axios reported yesterday that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told his Republican colleagues that Speaker Pelosi told him that each party will be allowed to invite just 25 House members to attend the address in the House chamber. The Republicans were reportedly frustrated by the decision. Axios cited a spokesperson for Speaker Pelosi as saying that no final decisions have been made. You remember Biden gave his speech last year in April before only about 200 people. Um, there were also a few cabinet members, Pentagon officials, and Supreme Court Supreme Court members uh, present, but it was not the packed house you normally expect to see. At uh, I wonder if if they do this again uh, with just a limited audience, will they pump in fake crowd noise? <laughs> they did at the sports stadiums when they were empty. <laughs> That's what they should do. They should fu- they should uh, uh, pump in fake crowd noise, uh, polite applause at the right moments, and even a smattering of booze just to keep it just to keep it real. <laughs> I think that's what they should do. That's uh, somebody tell C-SPAN to get on that. This is pretty amazing uh, research, although I'm not sure I'm convinced. I, I saw this story yesterday and I I said, I got to talk about this. I'm going to throw this out there. See what you think. I think I well, just I'll say I'm skeptical. University of California researchers have found that the human brain shows us images that are 15 seconds old instead of trying to update our vision in real time. What this research is telling us is that what we are seeing isn't actually what is happening now. What we are seeing is what happened 15 seconds ago. Our brains are on a 15-second delay. Researchers say it gives us more stability. David Whitney is the senior author of the study, said if our brains were updating in real time, the world would be very jittery with constant fluctuations in shadow, light, and movement, and we'd feel like we were hallucinating all the time. Uh, One of the other authors, co-authors of the study, Dr. Moro Manasi, says our brains work in funny ways. It's like a time machine. It keeps sending us back in time, kind of like we have an app that consolidates our visual input every 15 seconds into one impression so that we can handle everyday life. Interesting, but I'm not sure that I buy it. I, I really, honestly, if we are, if what we are seeing is 15 seconds old, how do you explain, like, you watch an NFL game and you see those amazing catches. <laughs> How would anyone catch a football 
or hit a baseball. You think a baseball game, you know, pitchers are throwing the ball 95 miles an hour. How would a batter see the ball coming 15 seconds later? I mean, I, I'm just not sure that I buy this. I understand what they're saying, and it certainly sounds logical. And who am I to question these PhDs, these researchers at the University of California? But it just doesn't pass the logic test to me, the common sense test. And again, you look at uh, sports, uh, you know, these amazing uh, sports achievements, you know, the highlights and, and so on and say, how in the world can our vision be 15 seconds behind and you're still able to play sports or play video games or, you know, anything else. I I just don't, uh, I'm not sure that I, but here's another story that again is one of those. I say to myself, is this something we can really believe? Apparently the world's longest lightning bolt zigzagged over three U S states on April 29th, Experts at the World Meteorological Organization, which is part of the U.N., said it started close to Wiggins, Mississippi at 9.32 p.m. on April 29th, cut across the skies of Louisiana and Texas toward Freeport of the Gulf of Mexico, lasting a total of eight and a half seconds. That it is a span of 477.2 miles. One lightning strike, 477.2 miles. Uh, The previous record uh, was a 37-mile lightning strike uh, in southern Brazil in 2018. This was April 29th, 2020. I'm sorry, April 29th, 2020 was the date. Previous record was in 2018. Another remarkable lightning strike, they say, developed continuously through a thunderstorm over Uruguay and northern Argentina in June of 2020. And lasted for 17 seconds, which is the record for the longest lasting lightning strike. Uh, World Meteorological Organization meteorologist Randall uh, Cerveni says these are extraordinary records for a single lightning flash event. Environmental extremes are living measurements of the power of nature, as well as scientific progress in being able to make such assessments. And that's, again, where I say is how how reliable is this information? I mean, does somebody get out a tape measure and measure this uh, lightning strike? How do you know 477.2 miles for a lightning strike that is like just a a few moments in the sky? How do you you measure that? I guess. Science has a way to do it, but I just don't understand the science, I guess. And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, finally, an answer to the age-old question. Which is the proper side of the aluminum foil? Do you use it shiny side up or shiny side down? (laughs) At last, we have an answer. This is only marginally less controversial than toilet paper over the roll or under the roll. Shiny side up or shiny side down? Reynolds Wrap says the difference in the shininess of the sides of a sheet of aluminum foil is simply a byproduct of the manufacturing process. Aluminum foil actually made with two sheets of metal. So while one side of your foil looks different than the other, they say they are both made of the same stuff and thus... Using the foil shiny side down or shiny side up does not matter. Both sides will perform 
the same way. So now you know. Boy, I tell you what, there is maybe the biggest news of the day. Glad I could settle that. Now we can sleep easy. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Rain showers today with a high of 39. The rain will turn to snow tonight, a low of 22. The National Weather Service says a major snowstorm will start to impact the region beginning today. Forecasters say very heavy snow is expected with total snow accumulations of 9 to 14 inches possible. There's also a chance of a little ice accumulation. The storm will make traveling very difficult and nearly impossible as wind gusts of 30 miles an hour will cause blowing and drifting. The city of Findlay has been preparing for the snowstorm. Mayor Christina Mern is asking people to check on their neighbors during the storm, especially older folks. And she says depending on how the next few days play out, there may be people who need additional help or shelter. The city mission is working to make sure that they have additional capacity and can keep folks within their building and provide meals as necessary. But we may also open up warming shelters throughout the town if power outages occur. The mayor says once the storm clears, it's important that residents clear their sidewalks and also clear the snow from around the nearest fire hydrant. On our website, you'll find more tips and advice on how to deal with this winter storm. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is reminding people about the three different levels of road alerts. Level 1, roadways are hazardous and the drive with extreme caution. Level 2, roadways are hazardous with blowing and drifting snow. Only drive if absolutely necessary. And then level three, roadways are extremely hazardous and are closed to non-emergency personnel. Get more on the different levels on our website. Ohio's price tag for landing Intel's new computer chip-making factory comes in at roughly $2 billion. The state's development director said the combination of tax breaks and incentives are likely the largest ever offered by Ohio. State officials say the deal is well worth it. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. Odds makers laying betting lines down on the Super Bowl may have to look at a Brazilian pop star's prediction. On The Tonight Show, singer Anita told host Jimmy Fallon that he should bet all his money on the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Rams. Fallon asked the singer how she could be so sure, and she replied that she's currently romantically involved with a Bengals player. Super Bowl 56 will be played on Sunday, February 13th in Los Angeles. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. get right into the big story this morning that of course the winter storm that is coming which could be has the potential to be the strongest that we have seen in years and uh, joining us this morning is wtol 11 meteorologist diane phillips and first of all diane thanks very much for uh, taking the time on what i'm sure is a very busy morning in the weather office Oh, yes, it's definitely been a busy one already, and we are only a couple hours into our morning, <laughs> and uh, we are going to be busy here for the next couple of uh, days, that is, with yeah. the storm rolling on it. And uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, you don't want to get lulled into sort of a false sense of security, because as people are waking up this morning, we've got still very mild temperatures and uh, just a little light rain uh, here uh, in the Flag City, but that is uh, not in indicative of what is to come. Exactly. I know when I stepped outside this morning, I thought, it must be spring, but (laughs) that's kind of had a catch for us this morning because, yes, we are going to be seeing that rain. That will transition to snowfall, but the storm's really going to test our patience. 
because we are going to have to wait a good chunk of our Wednesday before we finally see that snow. So like I said, you're going to have to wait it out. Our patients, those are going to be have to uh, be in play on this forecast because we probably won't see that snow start in uh, the Finley area and our community surrounding until around dinner time tonight. So okay. we are going to like I said, be playing the waiting game. So kind of lay out the uh, current track of the storm. What exactly is going to happen and when based on the latest information that you have? Because one of the things about this storm over the past several days is that it has been a little unpredictable, difficult to project exactly what's going to happen and when. So what is the timeline here? Exactly. I'm glad that you asked that question because this storm, it's definitely been a trickster to say the least. We've been watching this for uh, quite a while now, but we're going to be looking at almost two rounds with this storm. We're going to have our uh, Wednesday portion and then our Thursday portion as the storm, it has a, a pivot point and you'll actually find it, it almost tries to kind of give us a little bit of a lull and that's going to be overnight. So for your Wednesday, we are going to be seeing that rain transition to snow. That's going to be later around dinner time. Then as we get into the rest of our Wednesday evening and overnight, we'll have some snowfall and it'll be steady, but just the few hours that we have right before daybreak, that's when you're going to notice the intensity of the snow settle down just a little bit but then many of us when we're getting up to start Thursday morning you're still going to have that snow then starting to rev back up so that's going to be picking up for us and then it will be steady for all of our Thursday so down uh, in the Finley area we're going to be looking at uh, a lot of our snow activity to really be isolated into that second round into that Thursday time period. Okay. Once that snow really gets going then we are going to be holding on to that and it's not going to last, though, all of Thursday. By the evening, it will start to uh, settle back down and finally move on out. So we just have to well, that, weather the storm. As it were, no pun intended. Um, now, <laughs> that that was actually what I was going to ask. When do we expect this to taper off? Because I know a lot of folks have been trying to plan and prepare and make sure they have enough supplies to last out the storm. For how long should we expect that snow uh, event to last? And when will it be over when we can start digging out? Well, that's snowfall. I anticipate that to wrap up between uh, Thursday night, between 8 and, and midnight. Okay. So, of course, you can wait to snow uh, blow your driveway clean. Of course, if you kind of get a head start, it makes it a little bit easier. But, right, right. Uh, around, you know, the Flake City, with a lot of that snow transitioning late into Wednesday, a lot of folks probably won't even be getting the shovels out until Thursday there. But you can definitely start that cleanup process once we get into uh, the later half of Thursday night and then into Friday. But another thing, don't forget, is we will have um, just kind of a lighter snow. So that means that we could have some blowing and drifting. So if you know um, those uh, east and west roads, you're going to notice some of those drifts. And that's why we're going to have to be keeping an eye on uh, roadways even as we get into Friday because though travel will start to improve hour by hour on our Friday, we will still have those drifts that are going to say, wait a minute, okay. we're not done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the, the second part of this what is it about this particular storm that makes it so powerful has such potential to be a powerful and as opposed to just an everyday average run-of-the-mill type of winter snow event 
mainly the the track of this, it was able to pick up moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. So when you're working with that warmer um, air, you're able to get a little more moisture, which then, of course, can turn into uh, once it gets up to our neighborhood, then we can finally see um, some heavier amounts of snow. So really just the track, how it was able to kind of almost take a, a really deep dip throughout the United States before kind of boomeranging back up into the Midwest really allowed that system to strengthen. And then also it had a system off towards Canada. So we had a lot of elements that were working for us. And that's a lot of science here in our morning. But mm-hmm. we just had a lot of those elements towards our north and our south line up to where here we were in the middle and kind of in that sweet spot. So is that the the same type of, of thing that you see like in the summer storms when you have the uh, big thunderstorms, the potential for tornadoes, the same type of clash of, of uh, warm and cold air just happening in the wintertime? Is that basically what we're looking at here? A little bit similar, of course, once we get into thunderstorm season, that's on a smaller scale. So this mm-hmm. is more of a, a bigger scale event when we're talking about uh, winter snowstorms. And even those summer storms, it only takes a little bit. But like you had said, it's that warm and cold air. When you have that mixture, that's uh, when you can start to get a lot of that um energy to kind of really rise and allow those storms to take off and of course the fact that it has been relatively slow moving allows it to organize and build energy and everything i would imagine as well yes it's able to just kind of uh take its time as it goes and Mm -hmm. really intensify but sometimes we do the slower they go they can stall out and we always run that risk that parts of the storm itself could also stall so that's what we're going to be watching our cold front that's actually going to make that change to watch and make sure that that doesn't stall anymore as it starts to move into our our communities okay so that's kind of what scientifically the uh, weather folks are are watching to see how this all plans out and ultimately How much snow do you think that we're going to get? I've heard uh, predictions uh, ranging anywhere from 6 to 20 inches. So where does it look like we're going to land? Well, I really think that a lot of the snow for the Finley area is going to come in on Thursday, just with that later transition today. Right. So right now we're, we're looking at totals around 6 to 12 inches um, for the Finley area, even stretching um, off towards Tiffin and even into Upper Sandusky as we have, you know, those, those uh, viewers and listeners that are uh, joining us this morning. So yes, we're looking at roughly about 6 to 12 inches. And, and like I said, just wait. I know that much of our Wednesday, it's going to look, hey, there's no snow. Right. You know, yeah, don't we, get we've lulled. been waiting for this. Yeah, don't get lulled into that false sense of security, as we were saying. So, because it is still coming. Exactly. So, it uh, is, yeah. So, we will uh, check back again tomorrow morning as we sort of get into the second punch of this storm, which is likely to be the more serious one. Uh, WTOL 11 meteorologist Diane Phillips with us this morning. Diane, thanks very much for taking some time and kind of laying this all out for us. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. I'm happy to share the science. We had a lot of. Uh, good stuff and make sure everybody stays uh, safe out there in the next couple of days. So as we uh, continue our coverage this morning of the great Groundhog Day winter storm of 2022, as we were talking a little bit earlier, 
Even at this point, there is still some uncertainty about exactly what Mother Nature is going to bring over the next 48 hours or so. And while that is an annoyance to us, not knowing exactly what to expect, I would imagine makes things very challenging for the Ohio Department of Transportation. And joining us this morning is Sherry Newton, a public information officer for ODOT District 1, which includes Hancock and Putnam counties. And Sherry, first of all, uh, the, the first thing I thought of uh, with respect to ODOT uh, upon hearing this big storm is, uh, is coming, as folks will remember, uh, back in the fall, uh, the Department of Transportation was practically begging people to apply for jobs as snowplow drivers. So do you have enough staff, enough personnel to adequately battle um, an event with this kind of potential that we see over the next couple of days? Yes, we do. We are adequately staffed, um, but it is an all-hands-on-deck situation, and we're absolutely using every resource available. Um, We'll have 18 plows out in Hancock County, and uh, those crews will be working 12-hour shifts until it's cleaned up. But, um, yeah, we are going to be using every driver we have. And at, at what point do you get the trucks out? Because, obviously, it started as uh, as rain is what we're getting this morning. That's going to gradually transition over to snow. Uh, so, with so much uncertainty, as we were saying, what is the game plan for an event like this? Right. Um, Well, since the storm is starting with rain, we're unable to pre-treat the roads as you would usually see us do with brine because the rain will just wash that away. So our trucks are all ready. They're loaded up with salt. Um, Soon, if they're not out already, the crews will start going out and just patrolling and waiting until they see that transition. When the rain starts to freeze, they'll start putting salt on it immediately. So because this is expected to be such a slow-moving storm, uh, and, and last f- for nearly 48 hours, uh, 24 hours or more, um, what challenges does that present for ODOT in order to sort of keep ahead of the conditions as they change and as they worsen? Um, well, we're expecting with the storm that we're not going to be able to get ahead of it. Um, the snow is supposed to come down at uh, one inch or more an hour. Mm-hmm. And um, with the wind blowing that snow around, um, we're not going to be able to keep the roads in good condition. So we are, you know, advising folks to stay home if they can. We're going to try and keep those roads clear for emergency vehicles and um, make them passable for those situations. But um, yeah, it's going to be a challenging storm for us. And uh, as you were alluding to earlier, not being able to pre-treat uh, because of the rain, I'm guessing will slow down the process of treating the roads even further. Um. No, I don't think so. I mean, we just have to be out and be ready for it. We Mm -hmm. can't um, let it start and then go out. We've got to be out there waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, You were talking uh, 12-hour shifts. Uh, That is, I mean, that's a lot of work uh, for a lot of folks who are going to be uh, out there. Again, talk about the challenges of, you know, battling a storm like this. It is a big, big undertaking. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, 
those 12 hour shifts get are okay, but they start to get long when you do them day after day, but um, we're ready for it. Yeah. Talk about the uh, challenges of uh, keeping ahead of an an event like this. And uh, as you were saying, important to note that just because the plows are out, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is safe to be on the road and you are advising people not to travel if it's not necessary. Correct. Um, And if you are going to be out, um, we just ask that you um, stay back from the plows, give them plenty of room to work and uh, take your time. Be patient um, because it's it's going to be a challenging drive as long as that wind is and snow is coming. Yeah. uh, Again, folks have heard the uh, mantra, don't crowd the plow. How much how much room do and I don't mean to put you on the spot uh, here, you know, uh, with, with specifics, but in general, what's the the best uh, rule of thumb when we encounter a plow out there? Because, as you say, they're even going to be out today and, and folks will be out today uh, as long as this is just rain to maybe do any last minute errands they need before the weather turns bad. So if we see them out there even today. Uh, you know, what's the general rule of thumb with respect to that? Um, you definitely want to, like, if it's icy out, you want to stay far enough back. You don't want to um, lose control of your vehicle and mm-hmm. rear end a snowplow. Yeah. Um, that's not going to result in a good situation for you. And um, then that could take a snowplow off the road, too. So we don't want that to good happen. Good point. Yeah. Um, so you need to be very cognizant of the road situation and how slippery it is out there. And then also you've got to keep in mind that the plows have wing, there's wing plows on the sides of these trucks and um, in low visibility, you might not be able to see that very well. Um, we try to light them up as best we can, but mm-hmm. in this in this storm, the visibility could be very, very low. So you'll want to be extra careful yeah, that again, you're giving enough room. Yeah, uh, because... You know, even in the next lane, get over to the next lane and then some uh, to make sure you're yeah. given the the plow enough room. And uh, just another example of why it's probably best to stay off the roads uh, unless absolutely necessary, because. As you said, when the visibility, when we get to the point where the visibility is going to be uh, lower, that's going to complicate things even more. Yeah, definitely. Again, uh, Sherry Newton is public information officer for ODOT District 1, which includes Hancock and Putnam counties. Of course it does, because we've always known we're number one. So this is just confirmation of that. Uh, Sherry, (laughs) thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. Give us an update. We appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having us on. In case you hadn't heard, by the way, uh, Punxsutawney Phil did see his shadow. So that means six more weeks of winter. Just in case you hadn't heard, it just happened moments ago. Uh, that uh, he saw his uh, shadow, and um, I I don't know if you had heard uh, the the story. A friend of mine posted on Facebook yesterday that there would not be uh, that he had heard a report there would not be a Groundhog Day prediction this year because the groundhog had died, and they <laughs> they couldn't find a replacement groundhog in time. And uh, so I looked, uh, I did a little investigating because it seemed to me that would be big news. <laughs> but it turns out that uh, like Millsaps Mel or some such New Jersey's official groundhog did in fact die a couple of days ago and they had to uh, cancel their Groundhog Day festivities in New Jersey. It sounds like such a New Jersey thing to have happen. Uh, but uh, Punxsutawney Phil, on the other hand, alive and well, although I'd like to kill him for that prediction. You know what I mean? We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. 
I've often, uh, I've, I've said, you know, the problem is uh, Punk's Tony Phil always sees his shadow. Seems like every year he sees his shadow, and, and it's really easy to see why they have this big celebration where they turn on all the lights so everyone can see when they pull uh, Phil out of his stump. And so, of course, he's going to see his shadow. Turn the lights off, for crying out loud. <laughs> turn the lights off. What's wrong with you people? Anyway, now that we get through that breaking news, we can get to the broken news this morning, the news that is already... You have breaking news, and then you have the news that is already broken. This is that, courtesy of... uh, uh, (laughs) I'm just discombobulated. I'm so thrown off by uh, Phil here. Uh, Today's uh, update on the uh, broken news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. That's what I mean to say now. Get to the broken news here. Never underestimate the damage that can be done with ramen noodles. Last Friday morning, police responded to a call in Fort Pierce, Florida, after a woman said she was struck with hot noodles that were thrown by her boyfriend, Brandon Smith, during a domestic dispute over Mr. Smith allowing his dog to sleep in their bed. Apparently, an argument ensued, and he threw the ramen noodles that he was cooking at his girlfriend. The woman then claims that she was struck uh, not only with the noodles, but Mr. Smith hit her on the back with the hot pot that he was cooking them with. Ms., uh, Mr. Smith, for his part, claims the victim was chasing his dog around when she fell on top of the ramen noodles on the stove. Police weren't buying it. They arrested him for domestic battery. She's going to be okay. (laughs) Ramen noodle assault. Explain that to your cellmate when you get into the slammer. What are you in for? I assaulted my girlfriend with ramen noodles. Don't mess with me. These ramen noodles and I'm not afraid to use them. Police say an argument over steak led to a massive brawl inside a Golden Corral restaurant in Pennsylvania late last week. (laughs) According to reports, the fight broke out at the Golden Corral in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, when a person became upset after someone else was served a steak before him. The restaurant said the person who got the steak first had ordered it rare, so it cooked faster, (laughs) which makes sense. But the misunderstanding escalated Uh, To the point where there was an all-out brawl and uh, some customers suffered minor injuries. Again, sounds like such a Golden Corral thing to have happen. You know, (laughs) if you've ever been to a Golden Corral, you can see that happening. uh, By the time was all said and done, chairs uh, were thrown, punches were thrown, some 40 people were involved. Police say they have not made any arrests. But participants could fl- could face disorderly conduct and simple assault charges, and probably will not allowed to be go back uh, go back to the Golden Corral anytime soon. So. <laughs> Such a tragedy. Speaking of uh, food stories, this is an absolutely true story that is full of baloney, literally. U.S. Customs agents seized 243 pounds of baloney that was being smuggled into Texas from Mexico. In a pair of recent incidents, uh, bologna from Mexico is prohibited from entering because of pork's potential to bring foreign animal diseases into the country. Uh, Officials say those diseases can have devastating effects to the U.S. economy and our agriculture industry. Uh, Both people who were caught smuggling bologna in from Mexico 
were cited given a $1,000 civil penalty after failing to declare the commercial quantities of bologna. Uh, Customs and Border Protection requires travelers to declare anything they acquired abroad when entering the U.S. in order to prevent the introduction of potentially harmful products. I <laughs> wonder if there was a special citation for Border Protection officials for nabbing contraband bologna. I just wonder if there's a special medal or ribbon or citation of some sort. <laughs> it's the Oscar Mayer medal. A Colorado firefighter being applauded for rescuing a dog while on a literal goose chase. A golden retriever was running after a goose when it became stuck in an ice-covered pond. The firefighter jumped into the freezing water and hoisted the dog onto solid ice, allowing him to walk back to safety. And both appeared very happy to get back to dry land. No word on what happened to the goose. <laughs> Is that it, or do we have... Oh, here's a uh, story for the upcoming Super Bowl here real quick. I'll get to this. Uh, Hormel Chili is giving away a chili cheese keg to one hungry fan. Uh, it is a one-of-a-kind 15-gallon Hormel Chili cheese keg that dispenses Hormel Chili cheese dip straight from the tap. Hormel says the keg provides nearly 300 servings of Hormel Chili Cheese, and fans can visit the website hormelchilicheesekeg.com to enter to win the unique prize. Deadline to enter is February 6th. So February 6th is the uh, date if you want to... I'm thinking that could be kind of fun at your Super Bowl party. Uh, don't tell your guests that it's a cheese keg because they'll think it's beer and they'll... <laughs> what is this coming out of the tap? What a... Hilarity will ensue. There you go. <laughs> that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Were you exposed to hazardous materials while serving in the military and have an illness or condition as a result? You may be eligible for VA benefits and services. Whether you need health care or want to file a disability compensation claim related to military exposures, VA is here to help. Visit va.gov forward slash military dash exposures to learn more. You served your country. Now let VA serve you. This message provided by WFIN. Time for your daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives as we have just passed. You remember a few days ago we were talking about this. The second anniversary of the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the U.S. And of course, as we've been dealing with this, you know, yet another surge this time of the Omicron variant. A new survey finds just how pervasive COVID fatigue is in this country. 70% of Americans agree with the statement, it's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and just get on with our lives. Seven out of 10 Americans uh, feel that way in general. Now, there is a partisan divide, as you might expect. This is a Monmouth University poll that was out Monday. 89% of Republicans agree with that statement compared to just 47% of Democrats. Independents at 71%. There are 28% who thought a return to normalcy will never happen. Either because our sensibilities have changed, our mindsets have changed, or just 
our habits have changed because of two years of this. Asked if they were concerned about getting sick from the new variant, 23% said that they were very concerned. 27% say they were somewhat concerned. The director of the Monmouth University Polling Institute, Patrick Murray, said Americans' worries about COVID haven't gone away. It seems more to be a realization that we are not going to get this virus under control in a way that we thought maybe was possible last year or when everything started. Uh, Just we have resigned ourselves that this is going to be endemic. And seven out of ten of us believe it is just time to get back to living our lives. I can hear a lot of people nodding their head right now. Absolutely. You know, this may actually be a something of a related. Uh, sir, it's not necessarily related to that study, but it is related in nature. Researchers from the California Institute of Technology have uh, conducted a study in which they find that fear really is contagious. Here's what they did. They used a haunted house experience uh, experiment. They set up 17 rooms containing various spooky uh, threats in this environment. And they found that people were actually more scared when the group, when there was a group walking through the rooms together. And when the group was larger, they were actually more scared, more fearful. The team found out that the group fear, fear in the group built up and increased as people moved from room to room. Scientists say what this tells them is that when we are faced with something that is scary, and that could be, again, in this case, a haunted house, or whether we're talking about, you know, the winter storm that's coming this weekend, or the uh, coronavirus, or what have you, people are more likely to have a heightened physical response when other people are around, and especially if they are fearful, it kind of rubs off on you. This uh, phasic effect, they call it, involves rapid changes in the body uh, that it experiences as it responds to an event and is more likely to happen when other people are dealing with the same thing. So if a friend is shaking with fear and reacts to some kind of a trigger, the study finds even the calmest person may also be startled by that trigger. So, so much for the idea of strength in numbers. It turns out that fear is contagious. So something to think about there. Again, whether we're talking about the second anniversary of the coronavirus or the upcoming winter storm, the great Groundhog Day winter storm of 2022 or whatever it might happen to be. By the way, you know, we uh, we talk about uh, school uh, closings and changes to school schedules because of the uh, weather. Also, you want to head to our website if we're talking about you shouldn't be out uh, over the next couple of days uh, unless absolutely necessary. And there are a number of uh, businesses, events, organizations that have uh, closed or canceled or that will be uh, closing or canceled, uh, you know, uh, things going on that won't be going on uh, over the next couple of days as well. And we have a special page for that stuff as well. Look for the events cancellation page on our webpage for the uh, full up-to-date list of everything that we are aware of with respect to that uh, as well. So head online, WFIN.com or GoodMornings.net for all of the latest winter storm information. As we were mentioning earlier, 
The big question ahead of the storm is, are you prepared? Unfortunately, it's not until we're in the middle of it that many people discover that they aren't as prepared as maybe they think they are. And so, with kind of a a digest, a rundown, some tips of what you need to know before the uh, worst of the storm hits... Uh, Todd James is here from the uh, North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross. And uh, Todd, you see it all the time. Uh, You know, people think that they are more prepared quite often than they actually are. Yeah, Chris, I I think you're right there. Uh, A lot of folks do have or have taken some steps maybe to be prepared, uh, especially for a situation like this where we're looking at probably, you know, what we would call sheltering at home. You're going to be staying inside for the next few days. Right. Um, but we do need to make, take some basic steps to be prepared to deal with what's coming our way weather-wise, both in terms of being in the house and, and, and working with our, our families and making sure that everybody stays safe inside the house. Um, or if, and we would recommend not going outside at all, but if you do need to go outside, mm-hmm. that, that you do it safely. Yeah. So uh, let's focus on staying hunkered down at home. What are some of the things that we need to make sure, uh, kind of give us a brief checklist of what we need to uh, be thinking about today before we get into this second punch, which is going to be the, the bigger punch of this storm tomorrow? Sure. And this is where, you know, we talk a lot about putting together a family emergency kit. And this is where that would come in handy in the things we talk about. Uh, Number one, we're all probably looking at, you know, what we see with this storm. We're looking at being in the house for the next two or three days, most likely. So do you have plenty of food? Um, I'm I'm not sure that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. I have to tell you, I went grocery shopping a couple of days (laughs) ago. Yeah. Based on how bare, the, and this was not storm prep for us, this was just our normal shopping, yeah. uh, based on how bare the shelves were, I think a lot of people have, but uh, seriously, just make sure you've got uh, food in the house uh, for the next three or four days, plenty of water, plan on about a gallon of water a day per person. Mm-hmm. The other thing to think about, and, and what we want to be concerned about with a, a storm like this, is we could also see widespread power outages. Right. So when you're thinking about having two or three days worth of food, uh, if there is a power outage and you don't leave the home, if you stay in your home during the power outage, you need to be prepared that you have food that you don't have to cook. So right. Things that are easy to eat, uh, don't need a can opener, you know, and, you know, or make sure you have a hand crank can opener that you don't need a, mm-hmm. a microwave or, or the air fryer to prepare. So have right. some, some good foods that high in and- protein and nutrition. And not just for you, but for your pets as well. This is one thing that my wife and I uh, suddenly realized yesterday is, hey, we don't have enough dog food to get through the next two or three days. So, Yeah, yeah. when we're, pre- when we're prepping for a storm like this, we do have to remember our fur family friends also. And especially if you have outside animals, you really should think about, hey, how can I either bring them inside the house? Or is there another place? Could I put him in the garage? Could I put him in the barn for a couple of days? It right. is going to be dangerous outside, um, and we want to make sure that we protect our pets, too. So you're right. You have to include them in your planning and making sure you've got their food and, and a water supply for them and, right. and where they're going to be to ride the storm out. You know, uh, um, you mentioned— well, no, I was going to say, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, possibility of power uh, being out for a time. That will uh, maybe cause issues with home heating as well, and that is always a danger point. We were talking about it the other day, but uh, bears a reminder. Yes, uh, this is one of the things that 
this time of year, unfortunately, we see a, an increase in home fires, and a lot of those are caused by uh, indoor heating sources. A lot of the times, like electric space heaters or not being used properly or not maintained well. So if you are preparing now, um, when we think about what could happen in the next few days, a power outage is a, a likely possibility, especially depending on how much ice we might get. Um, number one is, you never, ever heat inside the home with open flame unless it's a clean, well-maintained fireplace, okay? Right. Um, if you are using an electric space heater, make sure it's in good shape. And whenever you use uh, an electric space heater, it needs to be um, an area clear around it, at least three feet around the heater that's clear of anything that could catch fire, that it's on a, a good, stable surface so it's not going to tip over. Um, we really want to be careful. Yes, we want to keep the family warm, but we need to be careful. Um, and, and if we do lose power and, and you, you know, you can't think about heating your home by like, say, if you have a gas stove, turning on the stove and opening the right. door, that is so safe and dangerous. Either plan on having plenty of blankets in the house and mm -hmm. folks are going to bundle up and, and you're going to stay warm inside, huddle together and see how long it lasts or think about where you will go. Um, if it's going to be a prolonged power outage, you know, do you have someplace, a family member or a hotel or wherever that you may take the family to for a couple yeah. of days? Some, someplace close, someplace close by, because again, we don't want people traveling, yeah. uh, any, uh, further than necessary. And, uh, again, people can yeah. hear saying, well, you're talking about electric heat. If you don't have uh, power, how do you have electric heat? Because some, some folks will run, uh, generators to, uh, provide emergency power. But again, here you have to be very safe with those. Exactly. You've got to be very careful. If you're using a generator, you really need to make sure you understand how it works, how to safely operate it. You know, is it um, things like never having the generator inside a building because of the worry about carbon monoxide? Even the garage. How much of a load can it get? Even the garage. So, you, you, you know, if this would be the first time using your generator, uh, make sure that you've been well trained on it. You understand it. Um, and if you had someone install it for you, maybe it's a good time to give them a call and go over all of the operating instructions again, just to, to make sure that, that you understand how to safely run that generator. Um, and also be thinking about, let's think about our friends and neighbors, especially if you have uh, elderly neighbors or those that might have uh, some functional disabilities or family members, make sure we're checking on them. Check with them today to make sure they have everything they need. Uh, that is one of the concerns we have during a power outage is people who do rely on medical equipment uh, that needs power to function. If the power goes out, that could be life-threatening. So really need to have a backup plan in place and think about, okay, where are we going to be able to move them to where we can plug the equipment in and get it functioning again for them? And again, uh, as we said, we don't want people to be out, uh, especially during the heart of the storm tomorrow, uh, if, if it's unnecessary. If you do have to be out, even after the worst of the storm has passed, uh, real quickly, uh, you definitely want to be prepared uh, for you know, whatever can happen out there on the road. You want to have an emergency kit in your car with some of the same things you'll want to keep in your house, a flashlight. You want to have an emergency radio that has the weather band on it, a multi-purpose tool, some extra batteries, 
Um, also make sure that you've got some of your cell phone, you know, the portable batteries we have for our cell phones, charge those up now, mm-hmm. keep them handy. Those are the things you'd want to keep both in a kit at home and a kit in your car. If you do have to go outside, you've got to dress for the weather. Make sure uh, probably the best is to dress in several layers of lightweight clothing that you're wearing gloves and a hat that you have good waterproof insulated boots on. You want to keep your feet warm and dry. Um, and also, while you're out today getting anything that you may need to get, top off the gas tank, make sure your your car is in good shape, that your uh, your uh, wiper blades are in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you don't want to go out, but if you have to, if you absolutely were to have to be out in the weather, then you want to make sure that you and your vehicle are in good shape and that you've got a, a good emergency kit both at home and in your car. And uh, speaking of being out, uh, just real quickly, we've only got about uh, 30 seconds or so, but uh, it, people are going to be out shoveling the uh, walks and shoveling the driveways, uh, get the snow away from the fire hydrants, uh, all of those things. But again, that can be very dangerous if you're not careful medically. Exactly. Uh, number one is it is a lot of stress. And, and if you have any medical conditions that that could aggravate, probably best not to do it. Uh, again, dress for the weather. You want to avoid yeah. uh, getting anything hypothermia or frostbite. So that's where you wear some layers of loose fitting clothing. Protect your hands, protect your head, your face, your ears. You really got to bundle up well. And that's what the layers are for. You probably work up a sweat. So mm-hmm. if you need to take one layer off you still got to keep yourself well covered and protected while you're out there doing the shoveling. All great advice, things to remember as we head into the uh, heart of the storm here. Again, uh, Todd James of the North Central Ohio Chapter of the American Red Cross with us this morning. We've got a link up for more information, more advice and tips from the Red Cross website. Todd, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Hey, Chris, thank you. And uh, just everybody stay safe out there. We don't want to have to come to your house the next couple of days. Our folks want to stay home, too. So let's all ride it out well together. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Tomorrow, we'll continue to keep you up to date with the latest on the great Groundhog Day winter storm of 2022 as it continues to move slowly through the area. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Stay safe. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.